welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all of God's children and all of God's creation. And no matter the negative circumstances or appearances, no matter the state of the world, don't give in to fear and worry, but stay focused on the love and light of the I Am Presence and stay the course. Because if we allow ourselves to be consumed by fear, hate, discord, and division, we negate the divine power of God within us, a power that Jesus the Christ and all the ascended masters came to remind us of thereby doing ourselves and all humanity, present and future generations, a disservice by taking lightly and by misusing that divine power. Of course now, it's not a big leap in this day and time to fall into worry, panic, and chaos, sitting on the edge of our seats wondering what's coming next. But for what? Things are always happening and changing in the physical world. Instead though, let us stay focused on love and light and position ourselves to be ever ready, not only in this world, which fades away, but spiritually, standing firm in the power of the presence of God within that never fails us. Amen. May God bless us, everyone, all over the world. Give thanks and praises for love and light, and y'all be loved. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great, high wall with twelve gates, and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. 
The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Revelation 21 Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong, let the vile person continue to be vile, let the one who does right continue to do right, and let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Revelation 22:1-17. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus.
The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Revelation 22, 20-21 Isis Unveil, Chapter 13 The claims of the Friends of Esoteric Science, that Paracelsus produced, chemically, homunculi from certain combinations as yet unknown to exact science, are, as a matter of course, relegated to the storehouse of exploded humbugs. But why should they? If the homunculi were not made by Paracelsus they were developed by other adepts, and that not a thousand years ago. They were produced, in fact, upon exactly the same principle as that by which the chemist and physicist calls to life his animalcula. Few years ago, an English gentleman, Andrew Cross, of Somersetshire produced a curry in the following manner, black flint burned to redness and reduced to powder was mixed with carbonate of potash, and exposed to a strong heat for 15 minutes, and the mixture was poured into a black lead crucible in an air furnace. It was reduced to powder while warm, mixed with boiling water, kept boiling for some minutes, and then hydrochloric acid was added to supersaturation. After being exposed to voltaic action for 26 days, a perfect insect of the Akari tribe made its appearance, and in the course of a few weeks about a hundred more. The experiment was repeated with other chemical fluids with like results. A Mr. Weeks also produced the Akari in ferrocyanide of potassium. This discovery produced a great excitement. Mr. Cross was now accused of impiety in aiming at creation. He replied, denying the implication and saying he considered to create was to form a something out of a nothing. Another gentleman, considered by several persons as a man of great science, has told us repeatedly that he was on the eve of proving that even unfructified eggs could be hatched by having a negative electric current caused to pass through them. The mandrakes, due to more love fruit, found in the field by Reuben, Jacob's son, which excited the fancy of Rachel, was the cabalistic mandragora, notwithstanding denial and the verses which refer to it belong to the crudest passages, in their esoteric meaning, of the whole work. The mandrake is a plant having the rudimentary shape of a human creature, with a head, two arms, and two legs forming roots. The superstition that when pulled out of the ground it cries with a human voice, is not utterly baseless. It does produce a kind of squeaking sound, on account of the resinous substance of its root, which it is rather difficult to extract and it has more than one hidden property in it perfectly unknown to the botanist. The reader who would obtain a clear idea of the commutation of forces and the resemblance between the life principles of plants, animals, and human beings, may profitably consult a paper on the correlation of nervous and mental forces by Professor Alexander Bain, of the University of Aberdeen. This mandragora seems to occupy upon earth the point where the vegetable and animal kingdoms touch, as the zoophytes and polypi do in the sea the boundary being in each case so indistinct as to make it almost imperceptible where the one ceases and the other begins. It may seem improbable that there should be homunculi, but will any naturalist, in view of the recent expansion of science, dare say it is impossible? Who, says Bain, is to limit the possibilities of existence? H. P. Blavatsky The unexplained mysteries of nature are many and of those presumably explained hardly one may be said to have become absolutely intelligible. There is not a plant or mineral which has disclosed the last of its properties to the scientists. What do the naturalists know of the intimate nature of the vegetable and mineral kingdoms? 
How can they feel confident that for every one of the discovered properties there may not be many powers concealed in the inner nature of the plant or stone? And that they are only waiting to be brought in relation with some other plant, mineral, or force of nature to manifest themselves in what is termed a supernatural manner. Wherever Pliny, the naturalist, Alien, and even Diodorus, who sought with such a laudable perseverance to extricate historical truth from its medley of exaggerations and fables, have attributed to some plant or mineral an occult property unknown to our modern botanists and physicists, their assertions have been laid aside without further ceremony as absurd, and no more referred to. It has been the speculation of men of science from time immemorial what this vital force of life principle is. To our mind the secret doctrine alone is able to furnish the clue. Exact science recognizes only five powers in nature, one molar and four molecular, capitalists, seven, and in these two additional ones is enwrapped the whole mystery of life. One of these is immortal spirit, whose reflection is connected by invisible links even with inorganic matter, the other, we leave to everyone to discover for himself. Says Professor Joseph Leconte, what is the nature of the difference between the living organism and the dead organism? We can detect none, physical or chemical. All the physical and chemical forces withdrawn from the common fund of nature, and embodied in the living organism, seem to be still embodied in the dead, until little by little it is returned by decomposition. Yet the difference is immense, is inconceivably great. What is the nature of this difference expressed in the formula of material science? What is that that is gone, and whither is it gone? There is something here that science cannot yet understand. Yet it is just this loss which takes place in death, and before decomposition, which is in the highest sense vital force. Difficult, nay impossible, as it may seem to science to find out the invisible, universal motor of all, life, to explain its nature, or even to suggest a reasonable hypothesis for the same, the mystery is but half a mystery, not merely for the great adepts, and seers, but even for true and firm believers in a spiritual world. To the simple believer, unblessed with a personal organism, the delicate, nervous sensitiveness of which would enable him, as it enables a seer, to perceive the visible universe reflected as in a clear glass in the invisible one, and, as it were, objectively, there remains divine faith. The latter is firmly rooted in his inner senses, in his unerring intuition, with which cold reason has not to do, he feels it cannot play him false. Let human-born, erroneous dogmas, and theological sophistry contradict each other, let one crowd off the other, and the subtle casuistry of one creed fell to the ground the crafty reasoning of another one, truth remains one, and there is not a religion, whether Christian or heathen, that is not firmly built upon the rock of ages, God and immortal spirit. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 14 As the mighty victory told you, and imagine what must take place from the higher octaves when such a miracle occurs in the physical, when he said to you, I have taken a man in the gutter and in one wave of my hand consumed that creation and raised that individual back into the glory and the victory of the light of freedom. It is that power which we want you to use while yet unascended. You do not have to be completely ascended in order to have the use of these great powers of life that set your fellowmen free. All you need to be free from the human is the light and the love of the divine. And the love from your presence is an actual substance of light. It isn't just a feeling or just a wave of vibration. 
The radiation of the love from the heart of your I am presence, or from us is an actual release of the electronic substance of eternal light. It is the radiation or the tiny sparks, as it were, that are poured forth from the great flame of your own individualized focus of life, which is the eternal you from the great central sun. And therefore, when we speak to you of the light of our love, or the love of the sacred fire, or the powers of that sacred fire, try to realize those are just as real and tangible as any physical thing you have in this room tonight. Don't struggle longer precious ones. Don't fight through the outer world conditions, trying to find a little fragment of knowledge here, and a little fragment there, and a little assistance here, and a little assistance there, when an unconditional turning of your attention to your presence when you want to know something, with love and the feeling of that love intensely from your heart reaching up to enfold your presence, you ask it to tell you the truth of what you want to know in the light of its own heart's flame, and make you know it unconditionally in the outer, you would not have to ask but a few times till your presence would set you free from the limitation of the centuries. That is what we have been driving at when we reminded the student body again and again to be through with the struggle of human problems. And you can't be through with the shadows unless you have the light, and you cannot have the light unless you have the sacred fire from whence it proceeds. That sacred fire is the eternal life of the mighty I am presence in the central sun. The radiation of the light is the gift of its love and the substance out of which the manifested world of form ever gives you of itself. So when you train the intellect to hold the picture of dazzling white light before you, and still the feeling until your presence shows you the truth you want to know, it will not take long. You do not have to sit down for hours in order to accomplish this. You ask for it, you keep the energy in the feeling world quiet and relaxed and at ease, and in the midst of something, with which is a rule you are not at all connected with what you want to know, in the midst of something else, when you least expect it, will come the full flash of the answer to your call. And as soon as you keep the door open continuously, it will answer you then instantly and show you the picture at the same time. Beloved Aloha Mark Turis. Now, I set up a guard for you, if you will accept it, so you will not become entangled with any of the pictures of the psychic stratum or the things of the physical world that do not produce perfection for you. Just because you see a picture in the mind of some thought or a form or something, does not mean that that is necessarily from your presence. We long ago set up the guard for the I am student body by asking them always to make the call, in the name of the mighty I am presence, in the name of the ascended Jesus Christ, show me your light. And demand that whatever your presence gives you, it gives you in the blazing white light of its own heart's love, and then nothing in the world can fool you, no psychic force can drive in, no lie can approach, and no psychic substance can intrude into that which is your sacred domain of connection with your almighty I am presence or the ascended host. Then there will be no veils between, you will see as clearly upon the blazing light of the love from your mighty I am presence own heart that which you wish to know, as plainly as you can see the lights in this room tonight, plainer. If you choose to use the term, show me the truth I demand to know upon the cosmic screen the light or eternal love. Dash and see for yourselves whether the floodgates open, and that uncertainty of the past will forever be removed from your world. You can positively live in the world of blazing light substance which is the love from the heart of your mighty I am presence. You can have that same blazing love from our octave, and you may have that as your powerhouse, your illumining presence, that never permits a mistake, that never permits anything human to be recorded upon the eternal screen of life. The great miracle of eternal light ever stands before you ready to reveal to you anything in the universe, so long as your attention goes first to your beloved I am presence, and you ask that the heart flame of your presence blaze the light of its love to you and tell you the truth you want to know. 
God is not so difficult to understand. The truth of the universe is not so far away that you cannot reach it. You do not have to go through long centuries of struggle and strain and endurance of suffering in order to find God, in order to reach the greater perfection of life, in order to reach up into our octave and know that which is greater than yourselves. Beloved Aloha Mark Turis. Thank you.